handle the truth. Are you mailing me? Why? So we could eat wedding cake. Is it chocolate cake? Who cares? It's this big and it got frosty. Yeah. You know, and and like I was saying, I've been doing a lot of coverage on it. I I uh I actually went on my YouTube and broke down. There's a 22 minute uh you know body cam footage. I don't know yeah. if you were able to see the whole footage from start to finish, I've but seen, I've seen portions of it. And uh, remember, I've seen guards beat prisoners like that. Right. It's it's ten times worse that this poor man died. But what people need to understand is that this is not a one-off. And, and this is even as, you know, though some have tried to play it off. This is not a racial incident. This is the police mindset that says that civilians are a different breed of human beings than law enforcement. There's a mindset in law enforcement that suddenly you're not a, you're not, you're not a lowly human being. You're not a lowly civilian. You know, you wear the badge or you wear the blue or the black or whatever. And, and when I was a kid... We had the neighborhood police officers that would walk around on patrol, and they were literally members of the neighborhood. They didn't abuse anybody. They weren't looking to bust anybody for anything. They walked a beat. They stopped. They visited. They talked with you on the porch. They might come around for Sunday dinner. They, they weren't in your house having Sunday dinner looking, looking to see if you got an illegal firearm or do you have whiskey you're not supposed to have or whatever. They were part of the neighborhood in the old days. And I'm not implying that every cop was always honest. I'm just saying you had beat cops that were like almost like friends. And you don't have that anymore. What you have is these guys that roll around in these $100,000 vehicles with automatic weapons and body armor and a ton of technology, and they don't see themselves, many of them, don't see themselves the same as you. You are less than them. You are beneath them. Now, in prison, it's not so surprising that corrections officers feel that way because they see us as a bunch of criminals. But you know what? Most corrections officers treat us pretty fair. It's it's 90% good, 10% assholes. The guys in my cell the other day, the guys there from the Adrian Correctional Facility, those are assholes. That place is 90% assholes, 10% good. That's what happens in a bad environment. People go there and they become asshole officers. Whereas here at Macomb, it's much more kicked back. Even though we have murders and things here, it's much more violent than Adrian. You don't have the guard mindset of treating everybody like trash. So new guards that come in here don't learn to treat everybody like trash. Culture is everything in law enforcement. So you go to Adrian, all the guards there are jerks, the administration are a bunch of jerks, they teach the new officers to be jerks, the pattern is perpetuated. At Macomb, or let's say Lapeer, which is a really nice prison, if you can say nice prison, um, staff are told they have to be respectful to the prisoners, so the new staff that come in, whatever they think, are respectful, inmates are more respectful, and they have almost no violence at Lapeer, and very few drug problems there. Different mindset. Same corrections officers, same academy, same training, completely different outcome. So these guys were the, supposed to be tough guys, and they're going around, they're dealing with the worst criminals, and we're the badasses, we're the scorpion squad, and blah, blah, blah. And so they take this UPS driver who's done nothing, FedEx. and they think just ripping the guy out of the car. So, you know, when we see people being ripped out of cars, it's usually after a high-speed chase, and the adrenaline's, ru- excuse, the adrenaline's rushing, even though they're supposed to be in control, the adrenaline is rushing, and then they rip the person out of the car. And they stomp on him, and they bend his arms, and they tase him, or whatever they do. But in this case, you didn't have that with Tyree. You had a person who everybody says was just an amazing human being, fellow skateboarder, so I got much love for him for that, too. And I don't know a lot of badass, mean, vicious, brutal skateboarders, by the way. 
So we know he was a great guy. And they didn't even give him a chance to be a human being. They automatically, in their mind, relegated him to that class of subhumans who are beneath law enforcement. They're fucking civilians, forgive my language. And that is the mindset. And I've heard cops say this a million times, fucking civilians, fucking civilians. Yep. I can't tell you how many times in the system I've heard that term. Yep. Because they really think, we're not civilians, we're special. No, you're not. Yep. You're supposed so, to be the us. And our persecutors. So but they become persecutors. Go ahead. So I, I appreciate you saying all of that, T, because you yeah. said exactly what I said in my show. And and so yeah. you you just back up what I say, man. And and the thing of it is, yeah. is that you got you got this video from the front to the back, and I'll tell you about what you may not know that's going on now, the aftermath, but you got this video from the front to the back. And I broke this down to explain to America, to get America to understand and see how crime is created, right? Because exactly how you said, right? You have this scorpion unit that, that are aggressive human beings who are specifically put in, in these high crime, quote unquote, high crime areas to go in there all aggressive. Now, like you just meant, you just said exactly what I said, right? Because... What America's saying now is why why was Tyree resisting arrest? Why did he run? And what I'm telling you, America, is because one, like you just heard this man say, Tyree was not in the mindset that he just killed somebody or robbed somebody right. or raped somebody right. or anything right. that would constitute right. being ripped out of your car and thrown on the ground right. by cops. This kid right. was just going home. So when he's yeah. ripped out of this car... Like I said, 99% of America has never been assaulted like that. So they have right. no idea how their body responds to that. So That's when right. you're... You a terrified victim at that moment. Absolutely, because your mind is trying to process what is right. going on. You don't know if these are killers. You don't know if they're carjackers. Right. You don't know what right. is going on because your mind, in your mind, nothing equates to you being ripped out of your car and thrown on the ground. So That's exactly right. In that moment, when he knows that he's complying, he's laying on the ground and he's doing what these cops are telling him to do, right? The cops are telling him, get down on the ground, and he's yelling, I am on the ground, right? I know. That's exactly, yeah. <laughs> How many times have you had people out there, have you had somebody tell you to do something you've already done? So he's looking back and, at and them and when... Now he's like, what's going on? What are you talking about? The, these guys are crazy. That's right. And that's when he realized, I need to get the hell out of here. These people aren't trying to apprehend me. They're not trying to arrest me. These people are trying to beat the shit out of me. He said you're going to George Floyd me. So he yeah. got out of there and ran. Now, the aftermath of all of this, T, is that Tyree, supposedly, this is all being fact-checked now, but during the event, the, the main assaulting officer grabbed Tyree in the back by the back collar and kind of slung him up. You know, he drug him across the ground and kind of slung him up against the car. He shined a light in his face and then took a picture of him with his cell phone. Now, as the story is starting to come out, that his ex-wife and mother of his child is dating Tyree. So I've been I've been hearing that, um, and uh, I, I just I just saw a thing on the news a little while ago. There seems to be more evidence that this was a targeted attack. That's right. And that you know that would not be surprising. And people need to realize this happens. And I'm going to tell you a short, quick story. 
when I was in Washington State, I made friends with some amazing Vietnamese individual who worked in a, my favorite Chinese restaurant called the China Clipper. His name was Moni Korn. I believe the spelling was K-H-O-U-R-N. So you can look and see he was in the Washington prison system. Moni Korn had a wife uh, who uh, uh, he had brought over here. She'd become very Americanized. You know, she became very materialistic. Everything was buy me this, buy me that. And they began to have a lot of conflicts. He was working 10 to 14 hour days and she was having an affair. Well, she had an affair with a law enforcement officer from uh, a police department in Washington state. And uh, long story short, she became physically assaultive and brutal with Moni. Moni, he was a skinny individual. He was absolutely not abusive or physical in any way. And she was actually assaulting and beating him. She actually split his head open with a frying pan one time. He had all kinds of physical damage to his body. He called the police after she had beaten him. She had beaten him like the fifth or sixth time. He was scared to death. And guess who comes to answer the call? Her boyfriend that she's having the affair with, who immediately beats the crap out of Moni and charges him with assault. Then the cop and the woman got together and they filed phony charges against Moni to get him out of the way so they could be together. This is an absolute fact. This is a true story. Um, that, well, that's and, and that's I, absolutely I correct. And and like I, I say, he was before he, I had no money and I had a pregnant wife at that time and a baby on the way and I was destitute. This poor little Vietnamese man, he had a lot of money in his commissary. He came to my cell one day. He spoke very broken English, but he remembered me from outside the jail. He came to my room, and he had a big box. It was store day where they bring your commissary. And he brings this big box to my room, and he says, you know, this this for you in, in a you know broken accent. And it was almost everything they had in the commissary. It was deodorants and soaps and shampoos and and Oreos, and like every single thing they had, Cheez-Its, all this, the few, they only sold a few snacks at that time, raisins, Cheez-Its, Oreos, mixed nuts, it was all there. He, he literally had, this, and, he, and I said, I can't, I can't take this. I didn't even know what was going on. He's like, no, 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 I know you have no money, you have a wife, you have a baby. You know, you, you used to come to my restaurant and eat, and you tip good, and you're a good customer and good friend, and you're a nice person, and you listen to me, and I was just, I was in tears. It's a small because world. this guy's going to prison, this guy's going to prison being framed for assault, you know, by his own wife and her law enforcement lover, and the whole system just clicked up on the guy because there's the cop who's banging his old lady. So it comes out eventually that he's having the affair with the woman. Guess what the court did about this? Nothing. Nope. Absolutely. Well, and that nothing. goes, and that, and again, that's the awareness that I bring. And 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 I said on my show, right, T? I said, well, let's let's look at it like this. In a parallel universe somewhere, there's a Tyree Nichols that survived that. And there's a Tyree Nichols that not only survived that, but there were no cameras. So what happens to that Tyree Nichols? Right. So so my thing is this. So so my thing is this now. This Tyree Nichols that survived this attack, right, is now going is sitting in, in a jail somewhere with 15 charges on him, looking at at least 20 to 25 years, sitting with 60 to 80 thousand dollar bond. Because of right. what if we he, just if he had watched, lived, they would have charged him with fifty crimes. That's right. Because after the fact, when these re- when these officers, when these thugs—I don't even want to call them officers—when these thugs realized what they did, they were all trying to cover their story. All of this is on camera. Right. He tried to grab my gun. He must have been on. He was on drugs. Yeah. He he tried to grab my gun. Uh, he punched me in the face. All of these are charges that they are now starting to rack up against this person. Yeah. Right. And they're all lies. They were planning the whole thing. They were planning the defense. And what America needs to be afraid of is these dumbasses knew there were cameras in the cars, cameras on their bodies. 
sky cameras, witnesses, and they still were not worried about beating a man to death. Beating a man to death. Not providing him any care. Beating a man to death in the middle of the highway with cars parked around, right? Right. To where the kid, this is in the evening time, where the kid took off and ran, and then these officers in the middle of a subdivision, right? There's houses around. They're beating this kid to death on the corner of a stop sign. Not one citizen came to his defense. And these scum, and listen, and everybody out there too, I am so sick of seeing these videos of somebody raping a woman on a subway while 14 people are filming it. You telling me you can't drag a guy off a woman with his pants around his ankles and either beat his ass, choke him out, or at least get him off the woman? How is it that everybody out there feels they don't have any obligation to help their fellow citizens? Nope. Nope. You know, and you know what it is, T? You're being beaten. You're being brutalized. You cowards out there. And I'm cowards. You cowards. These, these Americans are cowards. No, it's not that they're afraid. It's not that they're afraid, T. The first thing they think about is likes and subscribes. They see something going on, and instead of instead of saying, that's what social media has done to people. Instead of saying, man, I need to go help this person, it's, man, I need to film this. I'll get a million views off this right here. Yeah, yeah. You know, 19, 1978, 78 or 79, I was at Flint Central High School, and I had had surgery on my knee, and I was walking with a, a cast and crutches. And everybody out there knows, of course, I'd been to martial arts for a long time, but I wasn't a very good martial artist with my leg in the cast, and it was excruciating pain from the surgery. I'm going down the hallway. This is the Flint School, and there's a guy at a locker hitting a girl at the locker. He's, he's like literally smacking her around. I didn't think for one second, took one of my crutches, cracked him in the back of his head, he dropped to the floor, pulled him away from the girl. The girl went running down the hall. The principal at that time's name was Mr. Uh, Grogan. Is he Dick or Dan Grogan? And um, he called me into the office. They were patching up the guy's head. And he asked me what happened. And I told him, I said, this guy was beating a girl. And I hit him with a crutch. And I don't feel any shame about this at all. You know what he said to me? I'd have done the same damn thing. Thank you. That's what you're supposed to do. This guy's punching a girl in the head. People were standing in the hallway going, that's really fucked up, man. Why is he doing that? And I was like, are you serious? Now, more people would interview back, inter- intervene back then than do now. And, of course, we didn't have cell phones back then. Right. But the point is, if you see something like that, you don't wait. You don't hesitate. You act. There's a famous video they've been showing for a while of a guy beating a woman in a mall who wound up losing the eye. And you see a guy run up like he's going to do something. And then the guy turns around and faces him. And he just runs away like a pansy. Yeah. Over there and grab him and pull him off here. You don't have to be a hero. Go save her. Do for her what you want done for you. You're letting all this stuff go on out there because nobody wants to get involved. Nobody wants to get hurt. Or as you say, now you have people that want to get likes. And then you're crying while your neighborhoods are destroyed. You're crying while the police are murdering people, but you're not doing anything about it. Let me tell you something else, and this is going to piss a lot of people off. All of those to rallies and protests all the time because she wants to do what she can do. Personally, I don't think those things do shit. They don't. Because we burned half this country after George Floyd, and look what just happened to Tyree Nichols. That's not fixing it. Nope. They forget that stuff in three days, Yep. and they go back to doing the same damn thing. You can send 100 people down to the governor's office right now and say, hey, what about the innocent people? That's, why, that's why I don't rally my people. I don't rally my people. I don't I don't try try to get them to go to the if they want to go, I support them in that, but I'm not asking anybody to go stand right. in no building because I know it don't do shit. 
Because like I said, rallies out of Huron Valley. Remember the Huron Valley facility? Uh, you were there for that, weren't you? Yes. Yeah. So we had rallies down there. That prison is as filthy as it ever was, and those women were being treated even worse than they were before. And we had some amazing people go down for a rally, and Thomas was there. I think you broadcasted down there, didn't you? Well, no, I, I came up for, I wasn't, I, I, that was the week after I left. I was there for uh, uh, George Floyd's birthday and, and, and all right, of that right. stuff. For right. the But the criminal justice uh, thing that they had going up on in Lansing that none yeah. of the representatives showed up to. But, right. Uh, but they're they don't care. yeah, but they're tough on crime. So right, yeah, but yeah, tough on crime. How and, <laughs> and, and, and uh, keeping the word reform forever. So you, everyone knows what's happening with reforms now. Here's here's reform. No bail. Okay, first off, uh, and and I live in prison. By the way, people should be surprised to hear me say this, but there's times you need bail. Okay, that's not a reform. Here's a reform. You have to change the laws about the way police deal with encounters. You have to change the training. You change the mindset. There's a reform. Start making them use non-lethal technology. It's very rare you actually have to murder somebody in law enforcement because it's very rare somebody's shooting a live firearm at you. So in these, these in these cases where there there's a case here in Michigan, you might have seen it in the media, where they're wrestling with this guy and they shot him in the back of the head in the lawn of a house. Almost point blank range, gun to the back of the head. Well, he was trying to get my gun. Well, he didn't get your gun, and you had your gun when you murdered him. There's a lot of them going on. They, they just they just killed somebody else again. They just killed somebody else. Yeah, happened in Grand Rapids. Now we have a guy, a legless man. They just the legless man, him. right. Yeah, I just saw that today. What kind of world do we live in that police are such cowards, such horrendous cowards, that they're shooting unarmed people, legless people, women, veterans, people who have mental health problems who are nowhere near them. There's, a, there's another famous video of a guy standing in a parking lot. He's got a gun at his, at his right hand, at his side. And they yell at him, put the gun down, put the gun down. He doesn't point it, he doesn't raise it, he doesn't do anything, and they shot him 17 times. So, you know, there's, there's, there's that cutoff point. He didn't try to use non-lethal force. He didn't point the gun at anybody. Maybe he was just trying to get attention. We don't know because you murdered him. Well, then, it's just... Then the overkill. It, it's just everything that's going on. And... and, and I know I'm going to bring this up and you're going to go off with it. But before I bring this up, I want to yep. say, because there's two questions I want to ask, right? First, I want to ask you, um, how are the inmates looking at the Ty Tyree Nichols case inside? What are specifically the black inmates inside? What are they yep. thinking and how are they looking up at, at this incident? Well, I have the unique perspective of uh, working with a lot of the organizations in here. I also... Uh, on the, uh, the lead port, I guess you call the senior port in the gymnasium in our administration building where all the events are held. So I was there for, you know, Quans and the Black History Month events and things like that. And this is a chance for the inmates to gather and talk about this stuff in large numbers, you know, with the approval of the administration. And, you know, the mindset of them is, is pretty much what I said earlier. It's that, it's that belief that we're not human beings, that law enforcement don't see civilians as human beings. Somehow you enter that cadre and you become more than human, and everybody else is less than human because they didn't go to the same frickin' academy you went to or whatever. I'm, I'm on the job, or I was on the job. Right. You know, and suddenly that gives you this carte blanche to do whatever the F you want to anybody, and that's crazy. I'm ex-military, and I don't go around saying, I'm ex-military, I get to treat you like shit because you weren't in the Army. But that is the law enforcement mindset, and it's perpetuated because it's passed on to the youthful recruits. Now, if they weren't taught that idiotic lesson, then they wouldn't see it that way. But because they're just like the officers that go to Adrian are turned into jerks, 
officers are too often taught you're better than the people you're supposed to be protecting. What they should see the people under them as is their charges, their wards, the people that they're supposed to be caring for and loving and protecting and watching out for. Mm. That's not how they see them. When, you, when they come to a traffic stop, it's like a dentist. There's a reason why dentists have a high rate of suicide because patients hate going to dentists. They complain the entire time. And there's bad smells and bad breath and rotted teeth, and it's just a nightmare. And a lot of dentists, they have incredibly high suicide rates. It's, it's horrible. I kind of understand it, though. It's kind of like, oh, my God, I'm going to have a horrible day. Right. Very few people come out and go, thanks, God, for causing me tremendous pain and drilling holes in my teeth. What happens to cops too often is they become automatically defensive, and it leads to confrontation. So I understand they can get shot at traffic stops, and it happens, and I'm not condoning any kind of violence. And I understand they're very wary, and it's more common now than it was in my day. Pretty rare somebody shot a cop at a traffic stop in my day. Very common now. But let's say you're just a, a good couple, and you're sitting there in your vehicle, and the cop walks up, and he's instantly like, uh, good afternoon, officer. Can I ask you why you stopped me? Uh, license registration, sir. Right. How about some nice dialogue? You, you just turned into a hostile confrontation. And I don't think you're tough because you're being a dick. Right. Okay, I've been in prison for 36 years. You don't scare me because you're a dick. Okay, you got a gun, and I know you can shoot me, and I'm not trying to get you to shoot me, but you being an ass is not necessary. Yeah. So what the officer should do is say, you made a you made an illegal lane change about a mile back. Um, I want to check, make sure you've got valid license and registration, and then I'll talk to you about it. Boom, situation's instantly diffused. Now the person that isn't, doesn't sure they're getting a ticket, so they're not starting a big argument. The officer's not being an ass. There's not a conflict situation set up, but he's still in charge. You can be in charge and not be an ass. So we had a little mini riot in a block here a while ago. And instead of sending in some asshole officers, they sent this woman who's working today, wonderful little woman, I won't say her name, but she's been here forever. She's like a little mama. And uh, they sent her over there and she's like, what's going on, babies? Can I talk to you? What's happening here? And everybody loves this woman. Right. Obviously, she didn't go in uh, as gang with gangbusters of tear gas ready to beat anybody up. She went in as the little mama that she is and how people saw her. And the biggest, toughest, meanest convicts, and by the way, this is a gang thing. We have some, you know, very violent gangs. They instantly relaxed because she said, what's going on? And they're like, well, we're mad about blah, blah, blah. She says, I know, baby. Let me see what I can do about that. And guess what? Situation diffused. Right. From tearing things up to situation diffused. That's 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 real power right there. Sure, she could put on tear gas and a helmet. She can call in the goon squad. She can get a pepper ball gun or a stun grenade. She could be an ass. She could scream and yell. She could write tickets and lock people up. The real power she exercised was controlling the situation. Right. De-escalating. The violence and the anger. Absolutely. So if the cop does that, then you're like, am I going to tell him? Maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not getting a ticket. Then he comes back and he goes, listen, uh, it's really important you be careful with your lane changes because, you know, you almost cut a car off behind you. And you're like, wow, you know what? Uh, this guy cares and he doesn't want me to get hurt. He doesn't want anybody else to get hurt. That's what a cop is supposed to be doing. So that, not being a dick to you and then going back to sit in the car, write a ticket, and walking back with the ticket, telling you got 14 days to pay this. Have a good day. So the second, so, the second part of this question yeah. is elaborate for the listener because the listener wants to know what is going to happen because they're always asking what happens to cops when they get inside. But yeah. what are I'm these? Tell you. Yeah, what are these five officers facing if they're convicted for murder? Oh, on this this child. Well, these guys will be spending their lives in protective custody. Now, these are some big guys. They obviously put some big guys on those crews. But I'll tell you something about 
having been through riots and having been uh, alone with officers when they weren't armed, I can tell you right now, bully cops are cowards. Doesn't matter how big and tough they are, they're cowards. That's why they're bullies. Because a person who's really strong and confident doesn't need to be an ass. There's an old, uh, I, knew, I knew a guy who was a, a very special agent for the FBI, and I, I don't want to say too much about him, but he had also worked for the CIA, and he was probably a killing machine, and he was the nicest guy in the world. And only later on did I find out what a badass he really was, and I mean that level of badass where they don't even talk about the things that he did. You could not have met a nicer person. I, I saw somebody being a real jerk to him once. And he probably could have snapped the guy's neck in a couple of seconds without even trying. And the, and the guy was being you know, physically aggressive. The, the guy who was literally a government killer could not have been nicer still. And it wasn't like the I'm tolerating you even though I can kill you. He was really trying to avoid a conflict. He didn't want to have to hurt this person. He even took some verbal abuse and a poke in the chest with a finger, which he probably could have instantly snapped along with a neck. And only later did I find out what a badass this person was. Somebody came to me and said, you know who that is? This person's blank, blank, and blank. And I went to him later on and said, is it true that you're blank, blank, and blank? He's like, well, I don't really talk about that. And it took me a long time to ever get anything out of him. And even though there was never any bragging and I don't know any secret details, the point was this person was absolutely a badass. And you would never, ever know it because he didn't see himself as a badass. He saw himself as somebody who was trained to do a very difficult, very dangerous job but he saw himself as a normal human being. And also, I never saw him treat others like they weren't normal human beings, even though he, I'm sure he understood his capabilities. And I can only imagine what he could do with weapons. And I never got to see that, but you know, you can, when you've been a martial artist long enough, you can tell. The point was, that's who you can be when you have power. That's real power. These guys are just big bullies. They're punks and they're cowards. Because only a punk and a coward grab, what was this, what did Tyree weigh, like 160 pounds? Like 160 pounds. <clears throat> At one yeah, point, at, at one point, you know, because like I say, each one of these men had to have been 250 pounds plus their gear. Oh, yeah, so you're yeah. talking no less. Yeah, yeah, you're no less than a thousand pounds at one point on this right. kid that was 160 pounds, right. but he was able to get away and run. Yeah, so that won't matter in prison. No one's scared of them in prison. There's bigger guys than them in prison. They will get stabbed, raped, and robbed if they go into general population. Um, we had an officer named John Carr that came into the MDOC. He was a corrections officer. And he was an abusive ass. I was with him when he came into the Carson City facility in 19, it was either late 91 or early 92. And I was there for his personal abuse. And he didn't last long before he wanted protective custody. In fact, they had me in the control center because he had brought my name up because he'd written a fraudulent ticket on me back in the day. He was snitching the minute he got into the department. He was a pedophile, by the way. He would write phony sexual tickets on people to try to take their visits away. And it turned out he'd been raping his own daughter for years. So uh, these guys beat and brutalized a young, innocent black man. He's going to have to deal with the gangs. They're, they're going to have to deal with the gangs. They're going to have to deal with people who have a racial agenda, whether it's the Nazis that want to kill them because they're black or the black guys who want to kill them for brutalizing and killing a black man. So they're going to have it from every possible group and organization in that system. And Tennessee has a very rough prison system. They have some badass prisons. Uh, the Memphis County Jail, the Shelby County Jail in Memphis, which I was at, by the way, is a horrible, violent jail. These guys are going to spend the rest of their lives in protective custody. They're going to have their food spit in and pissed in. They're going to get urine thrown in their cells. They're going to get dressed out, which is where people throw urine and feces on you when you're in your cell. Um, I'd be surprised if their food wasn't poisoned on a regular basis. They're going to get robbed. If they have anything that's possession-wise that an inmate can get to, they're going to get robbed. 
They're going to be in hell. They're going to pay. They're not going to do good time. So, you know, Kwame Kilpatrick was the mayor here in Detroit. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you might have seen him online. He was just in the news yesterday. He's trying to get his uh, supervised release taken off. That, that guy is huge. That guy's a freaking linebacker. And he spent his time in the MDOC in a specialized area in protective custody. So that guy's like, what's he, like 6'5 and 350? Yeah. He's huge. And he spent his time in PC because they're going to squeeze him for money. They're going to they're gonna press him to abuse him. Um, they're going to beat him up just to say I beat him up. You know, when Jeffrey Dahmer got to prison, what happened to him? When Whitey Bulger got to prison and guys could get to him, what happened? They murdered him. You know, they murdered Jeffrey Dahmer just to say I murdered Jeffrey Dahmer. And, you know, a couple guys got to Whitey Bulger and, uh, and they murdered him too. So just just saying I did something to that famous guy, that's like notoriety in here. Hey, you know, right. I, had, I was in Jack Kevorkian's bunk at Kenross. I had Jack Kevorkian's cell. I was in Jack Kevorkian's bunk, A22. So I have this claim to fame that I was in the bed that Jack Kevorkian was in right before me, by the way. And then I got the room and I got Jack Kevorkian's bed. So, you know, that's what I mean. People still know that I had Jack Kevorkian's room and Jack Kevorkian's bed. So that's just how it's going to work. So yeah, they're through. They're, 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 I, I would not want to be any one of those guys. And remember, there's more. What, what are you up to? Seven now? Seven or eight now? Yeah, something. I haven't heard about any other arrests. I know there was a yeah. there was a white guy that um was was involved in the video. I saw that. Yeah. And, and they need to lock those paramedics up too. Those two scumbags. All of them. Everybody the that was on that yeah. scene needs to be locked up. As a freaking paramedic, it's almost ten times worse than the cop watching because the cop's job is to protect and defend. The paramedic's job is to save your freaking life. Right. And those two scumbags sat there watching that poor man bleeding. He's obviously not a threat. And it's only because, well, I don't want to make those guys that beat the shit out of him mad. So I just won't treat him and I'll let him die. You know, this, this whole thing is there need to be horrible consequences for these kinds of things so that it stops. And all this crap about police being abused by the media, it's all garbage. And no one's abusing good cops. No one's abusing honest cops. You know, in Michigan, we have a list. I'm going to get the name wrong. I'm going to call it the Joiner List, and that's not. It's the Gregoria List, something like that. Um, if you look it up online, you'll find it easily. It was put up by Kim Worthy. What it is, is it's an enormous list of law enforcement officers in Wayne County, which for everyone listening is Detroit and Michigan. It's all the officers that can't be trusted. It's, it's that are known to have lied and planted evidence and perjured themselves under oath or gotten others, it's called subordination, gotten others to perjure themselves, who withheld evidence, tampered with evidence, forged documents. It's this enormous list. And guess what? Almost all of them are still on the force. So there's a public list that these guys cannot testify in court because they can't be trusted and they're still cops. That's, that's the level of insanity that we're dealing with in this country that the prosecuting attorney is saying, these are all crooked people, but we're not going to fire them. We just won't let them testify in court. And it actually says, because they can't be trusted, to be honest. Then why are they caught? Well, because we need the officers. You just admitted you can't trust them. They're all crooked. Well, yeah, but we need them. So there, there's where we are. Yeah. Well, partner, I had you till five. Um... <laughs> Are they are they giving you any issues? No, no, not at all. No. Okay. Yep. So how have you been? Man, I've been I've been busy, blessed, and and stressed all at once. You know. I'm sorry about that. I, I, so where are you 
Well, I'm still here in the Tampa area. Um, I'm staying in my, you know, I got this office here in the Tampa area because, you know, it was so hard for me to, to find rent anywhere. Nobody would rent to me. Um, even though that I had, nobody would, rent to you. nobody would rent to me. I couldn't, I couldn't find rent because of my history. You know, oh, I have right. no, I have no rent history. You know, I have no renter's history. I have right. nothing but criminal conviction. So I had nothing positive to build on. So no renters would take a chance right. on me. Because you had you have such a huge influx coming into Tampa, uh, uh, an owner has nine people to choose from. You know what I mean? So yeah. even though that I had the money for down payment, first, last, security, all of that, it didn't matter. So I ended up just getting an office. But I turned the office. The office has three offices in it. So I'm using the first office as uh, an executive office. Yeah. Um, then I this other office is where I have my, my studio at. And then the other one, I just turned into my little sleep quarters, man, with my little uh, air mattress and stuff in there. And, and I just been pimping out yeah. this office. Now, that's what Shelly did with her Taekwondo school. She turned she turned the main office into her living quarters and actually lived there for years. That's, that's what we got to do. So but now what I've done yeah. is I've, I've partnered with several organizations here in the Tampa Bay area. And now I'm taking a lead role in, in, in setting up a peer counseling program for all the prisons here in Hillsborough County, because I'll be going into the prisons and setting these programs up with these inmates. So, oh, that's awesome. so I've, 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 I've made some big moves here in the Tampa area, as far as it comes to homelessness, addiction, my co-founder Yvette, she's got a program now called project first fresh start, where we take one individual T like, like when you yeah. were like you, when you were 20 some years old and you had no direction in your life, you didn't have nowhere yeah, to stay. Absolutely. We take that yeah. one individual and we, we take them from living on the street to self-sufficiency, getting them a job, getting them a place that they can stay in, uh, providing them with a financial budget, you know, all of these things. And yeah. what I've been doing to fund, fund that is fundraisers. I'm doing a raffle right now where people can go onto my website and sign up and donate for uh, a chance to win Tampa Bay Devil Ray tickets, Tampa Bay Rays tickets. Okay. Well, listen, I've got a, I got a buddy down there named Dash. Why don't you um, let Paula know? I'll get a couple of tickets. I'll get in the raffle. And if we win tickets, I'll give them to Dash. Yeah, no question. I've been trying to connect with yeah. Dash, man. I think he's a, I don't know. He's a, he's a, he's a kind of a quiet guy. Yeah, Dash. <laughs> Dash is such a great guy because i mean he stood by me this whole bit but he's completely insane but he's he's um he's very jaded uh when, when i want to tell you this little cute thing about dash because he was such a great kid he was you know 16 years old when i met him up north and he had this little blonde punk rock shag haircut and he had this desire for knowledge he was such a great kid he would bring these kids from town over to my house and i would do these little classes and he'll tell you about this. So, like one of my, I did, I did like a like a, a wine drinking class. Like you know, you drink this wine with fish and this wine with red meat, and here's why. And and I taught him about little things like that all the time. And so he would bring these kids over. Like this is so and so and so and so and so and so. And I would meet like you know, I like I met Anthony Gustafson and you know I met Paul Demars and so on. And he would bring these guys over and he'd say, um, "What are you going to teach us today?" And I might do like some little thing on history or food or exercise or supplements or 
uh, diet, nutrition. So like I took him out to eat one night and I, and I paid for the pizza at Pizza Hut and I taught him all why they should get all the vegetables and the cheeses, but not the pepperoni on the pizza, you know, <laughs> especially not the sausage. It was like garbage sauces they used to use with gristle and stuff in it. Yeah. And they loved it. And so they actually talked about this later on during my case that I would do this. I got a bunch of them to quit smoking. So I say this because Dash had this bright mind and he, he loved learning stuff, you know, it was just, it was great. These were really good kids, and they just wanted to learn stuff. They thought it was kind of cool. They were with this older person. He was teaching them about the world. They lived in Escanaba in the middle of nowhere. They hadn't been anywhere. There was no internet or, you know, cell phones or things like that in those days. So they only saw what they saw on television. And um, so when this happened to me, he was not just heartbroken. He was furious. But he was furious in part that other people weren't as mad as he was. He's like, what's wrong with you people? You know, my nickname is Mickey. And right. he, said, he said, Mickey's innocent. We all know he's innocent. We saw him that day. You know, we've got to do something about this. And they were all like, well, what can we do? He's got a lawyer. You right. know, they'll never find him guilty. And um, when he came down to my trial to testify, he literally told Robert Cleland to his face, he said, I think you're a joke. Cleland said, you think this is a joke? He said, I think you're a joke. And I was so proud of him. He let the world know what he thought. That little kid was fearless. Well, he went into the Marines. He wound up doing tours in some horrible conditions. And the war didn't mess him up. The system messed him up. He never forgot that this friend of his, who was completely innocent, was sent to prison to die for murder. And he would get so upset. He would get drunk and he would rant about it. I would call him. He would just be bombed out of his head. You know, just like furious. Mick, this is fucking bullshit. How are you still in prison? This is so horrible. And, it, and you know, eventually all of these problems led to the dissolution of his marriage and partial estrangement from his son. And, you know, he became very, you know, anti-government, I guess you could say, because he said this is a joke. And every time I'd lose an appeal, he'd be like, how is this fucking possible? This is America. You know, we keep telling everybody we're the freest country in the world. That's bullshit. And so my case really jaded you know, Jaded Dash, who's, a, uh, as far as I'm concerned, just a, a really great guy. And now he's a mess. But he's a good mess, and he has a great heart. Uh, but he's a mess. And, I, I didn't um, realize you guys were that close. Oh, yeah, I, I love that little guy. Yeah, he's awesome. He's awesome. Anyways, he's always been a defender of mine. He's a defender to this day. And uh, But, yeah, he, would, he was going around that town talking to anybody that would listen. And I would call, like, Paul and Amy and some of my friends from up there back then. I'd be like, yeah, Dash is going nuts. He's drunk at parties, ranting. We got to go get Mick out. We got to get Mick out. And um, yeah, he's still heartbroken. Everything he sends Paula is a rant about the system and about what happened to me and the fact that I'm still in prison. Bless his little heart. So yeah, yeah, he uh, he definitely was really traumatized by this, probably more than I was. Sadly, I learned to deal with it right away. He never dealt with it. And um, you know, being in the military, he saw the he saw the complete lie about the Iraq War. Obviously. There were no weapons of mass destruction. There was no yellow cake uranium. There were no biological weapons. In fact, when they got there, Saddam had not only honored all of his promises, he had he had destroyed all the missiles by drilling massive holes in them. They couldn't even hold rocket fuel or contain anything. When we found all that stuff, all the soldiers that were over there realized they had been lied to. They were told they were going to find all this stuff, and we never found a single thing over there. Of course, we tore the country up, and of course, you know, we murdered Saddam to shut him up, basically. Not because he was a terrorist dictator, because there's a thousand of those we deal with. Kim Jong was a billion times worse than Saddam Hussein. We've done nothing yep. about him. They found that man because guilty. They found yeah. that man guilty and hung him before he could even appeal his case. 
That's exactly right. And and we and we set the whole the whole execution up and filmed it. Yeah. And, and uh, filmed you know, he had, it. He had planned on revealing all that he knew about the corruption in the American government. And obviously, everybody knows that was about oil. That was about Kuwait being a breakaway republic. That was about Halliburton and Dick Cheney and all those corrupt scumbags. And um, you know, we all know that was a, that was a, a fake, completely fake war. Just like you know, Hillary's murder of uh, Muammar Gaddafi was completely fake. And guess what? That country has devolved into civil war and slavery. It's now the world's slave market. So, you know, this is what these corrupt officials do. And I, I want everybody to know right now, I, I absolutely believe we're heading to a world war. Oh, we definitely are. Well, that's what I was going to ask you before I asked you those two questions. No is you, no you heard about what's, now admitting it. You heard yeah. what's floating over America right now? Yeah, the spy balloon that we're doing nothing about. And nothing it's about. We're afraid it's going to fall on somebody. That's a crock of That's shit. That's a crock of that shit. Thing is, we could drop it in a second. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah, we don't want to shoot it down because it might it might fall on, on Billy Bob's farm and break his yeah, tractor. Yeah, it's complete BS. <laughs> but, China forced our spy plane down the minute we got close to their coast with armed fighter escorts. And now we're like, oh, well, you know... Um, we don't want it to fall on it. They keep saying elementary school. Like there's this thousand dollars Trump. We all know this. So I, I understand everybody hates Donald Trump and everybody wants Donald Trump to go away. Joe Biden is not the solution and everybody knows it. He's destroying the country financially and him coming out today and saying what an amazing job he's done. It shows you exactly what's wrong. Joe Biden did not create 514,000 jobs this month or last year or any year. He hasn't created any jobs except a small number of government jobs, which are just positions that he filled. Joe Biden doesn't build companies. He doesn't start up businesses. He, Joe Biden has not created any jobs, and there is no Joe Biden economic plan because Joe Biden's never written a plan for anything in his life. Other people are giving him things to read. Everybody knows this. Here's the, what I've done for the economy, Joe. You go say this. And then he comes out and says whatever's on the teleprompter, and he's forgotten to five minutes later. And for him to come out today and read another crazy speech where he claims he saved the country and his plan is making things better for every American while we are, again, at record inflation, record unemployment, record crime, the housing market is a bust, everything is getting worse, nothing is getting better, and he's screaming daily about how he saved the country. Inflation, when he came into office, was 1.2%. It's 3.4 right now. It's probably worse. That's a poor adjustment. It's probably around 5. So, this, this, this is insane. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, because he knows. Not, well, because. He saved the country. We all know better. We know what's going on with China. We know why he's doing what he's doing for Russia. He's giving away all of our military materials to Russia. He's giving, excuse me, to Ukraine. He's giving all of our whatever money he to can. Ukraine. He's trying to make yeah. money wherever he can. That's his only agenda is to stack because money. He made massive deals with Ukraine, and they now have all the information on the secret deals that he made. Remember the whole getting rid of the prosecutor from Burisma? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Ukrainians have all that evidence and all that information, and Zelensky was a part of all of that. And Zelensky is not a superhero who's freeing the world. He's a brutal dictator who has closed all the radio and television stations that have opposed him in any way. He's jailed his political opponent, banned the political party that ran against him, and now he's trying to shut down the Ukrainian Orthodox Church, which 92.9% .9 of all Ukrainians belong to. On top of that, the Jewish people in the Ukraine live like starving animals. 
If anybody wants to see what's going on to Ukrainian Jews under Vladimir Zelensky, who's received billions and billions of dollars from us for their economy, go watch one of those programs on the Christian Fellowship for Jews where they send food boxes to starving Jewish people. Those videos you see in those commercials, everyone, those are filmed in the Ukraine. That's how Jews are living. They live in the woods on $2 a day. They, they eat garbage, and they dig up little mushrooms from the dirt, and all those poor little starving old women you see in those filthy shacks wrapped in rags, that's in the Ukraine, because that's how the Ukrainians were treating the Jewish people. So this Vladimir Zelensky is the greatest man that ever lived next to Anthony Fauci nonsense. He's a brutal dictator. He's notoriously corrupt, and he's oppressed all free speech in his country. Now, that don't, don't get me wrong. What Russia? No, does, no. What you what you just yeah. said is exactly what they say over in Europe. It's absolutely true. It's Everyone the truth. Knows, listen, we we call the Ukraine the most corrupt country on the planet, and that's saying a lot when you consider some of the countries out there. Yep. We called them the most corrupt country on the planet while Donald Trump was in office. The entire time Trump was in office, Ukraine was quote. A bastion of corruption, according according to CNN, whose politicians were as corrupt as can be. Joe Biden's whole story about that prosecutor was the prosecutor was corrupt. Burisma was corrupt. All the corporations over there are corrupt. I went over there to root out Ukrainian corruption. Vladimir Zelensky was a comedian and an actor who came into power, and now we're pretending he's some kind of a superhero because he's fighting against the oppressive the oppressive Russian bear. We don't like the Russian bear, but we were calling Ukraine the most corrupt place in the world before Putin went in there. So there's a reason why this is really going on. Well, sure, and, and they have we to. We don't have in America. We have, we have a million people starving in the streets of this country, and we've given millions and millions and millions of dollars to Ukrainians. So they can blow up Russians, and we're doing nothing for the starving people in the streets. Yep, the and that's and that and that right there should be waking Americans up. And it has but woke a lot of Americans up. It yeah, has yeah, woke a right, lot yeah, up. I, 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 let me take that back. You're right. It has. It has woken some up. But everybody should be going, what the F? Right. Imagine if, you know, you've got kids and I've got kids and your kids are starving to death. And I'm like, hey, give me all your food. And then you come and give me your food and you, and you tell your kids, well, you know, I gave the food to the neighbors. But mom, but dad, what about us? Yeah, I don't really care about you. I care about the neighbors' kids more. Well, what's... what's because we have this what, well, what's really waking America up yeah. now is the fact that there's not too many people in America anymore who is only working 40 hours a week. Like we're working yeah. 60 yeah. to 70 hours a week and we're barely getting by. But yeah. yet every time we're turning on the news, we're hearing about how we're sending billions of dollars to this country. Now we got to right. turn on the news and hear about this debt ceiling crisis that we're right. in and that, oh, how, what are we going to do about that? Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to keep giving billions and billions to another country. We're not going to beat Russia this way. Russia is amassing half a million troops along the Ukrainian border right now. I just watched somebody lying yesterday saying, oh, it was a great investment because they, they're beating the Russians. They're not beating the Russians. More Ukrainians have died than Russians. The entire country is destroyed. And Vladimir Zelensky thinks it's our job to go over there and rebuild this entire country when this is done. And I'll tell you what. Tens of get a rail line in this country. We can't fix our highways. This infrastructure bill is not going to build anything like the last 20 bills didn't build anything. And Zelensky is already demanding, literally demanding, as of yesterday, that we help rebuild his entire country. And he's telling us it's our duty to do this. Right. It is not our duty. It's Europe's duty. You're in Europe. Go to the European nations. Apparently, they don't care that Russia's wiping you off the face of the earth. 
this is not America's job. What are we going to do when China attacks Taiwan? Joe Biden said, quote, we'll absolutely put boots on the ground and we'll get into a nuclear war. Maybe it is our job now. I mean, I mean, it was just it was just a month ago that they were flying a Ukrainian flag in in the in the Pentagon. Yeah, and guess what, people on the house on the floor. Beat China. We cannot beat China. And if anybody wants to be honest, and this pisses off some of my military friends, but every general has just said it: we cannot beat China in a shooting war. We can beat China in a nuclear war if we get wiped out ourselves. We cannot beat China in a shooting war. Their soldiers are insanely trained to a degree we can't even imagine. Their their low-ranked troops are like our freaking Navy SEALs mixed with airborne rangers and marine pathfinders. They are badasses. There are millions and millions and millions of highly trained martial artists who are very skilled with weapons among the Chinese population, and they have millions and millions and millions of ex-military personnel. We've got an army barely touching a million. And nobody wants to join our military anymore. Nope. We don't teach hand-to-hand combat and fighting in the United States military. All that crap you see in those Rambo movies, that's a movie. I was in the Army. Guess how many martial arts lessons I got in the service? Zero. That's TV. That's not real life. Right. Soldiers are trained to fight. They're trained to shoot and throw a grenade. Some of our elite guys in small little groups do hand-to-hand combat. China has got over 100 million highly trained, and I mean highly trained martial artists, that are skilled in the use of literally dozens of weapons. They have over 100 million ready military available trained personnel that can shoot, choke you, stab you, throw a grenade, fire a rocket launcher. They learn to use a whole cadre of weapons that we don't learn to use, plus they learn to use all of our stuff. Their Navy is already bigger. Their jets are fifth generation, just as good as ours. And they're tripling their nuclear arsenal. They just announced it today that by 2035, they will have tripled their entire nuclear arsenal. They have hypersonic missiles. They own the Solomon Islands. And they have bases all around the world. They're infiltrated everywhere. Plus, they have stolen all of our technology and all of our information. They've got it all. If we get into a war with China, we're going to get destroyed. And to my liberal friends, because they're not getting this, If the Chinese come here to this country and they take over this country, they're not going to kill everybody. They're going to need people to run the country. You know who they're going to kill? Their their target list, which they admit. First, anybody who's politically active that might pose a threat to the party in any way whatsoever. Secondly, homosexuals. Mm. Third, those who identify as transgendered. Fourth, drug users will be summarily executed. China's plan is very simple. They want to make the rest of the world like China. And their plan, which they lay out to their people, admittedly, and they admit it publicly, is anywhere they go that they take over, they're going to transform into China. And here's the rules in China. Drug drug users are killed. They're not putting up with that homeless in the street snorting cocaine crap or shooting fentanyl. Well, in China, if you're you're found drug dealing in China, you're killed instantly. Instantly. They kill you. Instantly. Yep. They have female trained assassins who just do this, they shoot people in the head all day long, and they harvest your organs. So I don't know why my liberal socialist friends think that China's going to come over here and just embrace them. They're not. China will kill the obese, because they think obesity is a sin and an embarrassment. They will kill the homosexuals. They will kill the weak. They'll kill the crippled. They'll kill the prisoners. They'll kill the transgendered. They'll kill the drug users. They'll kill anybody they think poses any kind of a threat to their version of what a national order should look like. 
So all these liberals that are taking all this money from China and defending the indefensible, like the slaughter of the weaker people, are forgetting that when China comes, you're not going to be safe. You think you're going to be safe. Like, oh, I backed you. Oh, yeah. I backed you. No, because China also has a rule that you kill anybody who's a traitor to their nation when you get into their nation because they can't be trusted to not betray you. Of course. So one of their policies is you kill traitors. If anybody recalls what happened when the communists came into Vietnam, they killed millions of people. They went into villages, and they had these little radicals who just said, you're a, you're a Democrat, you're a capitalist, you're the bourgeoisie, you're part of the elite. And they killed them. Pol Pot killed millions for the crime of wearing glasses. That's what these revolutions, quote, are. Mao Zedong killed millions and millions of people in his so-called cultural revolution to create the China you see now. And when that China goes somewhere else, it intends they worship Mao. He's, he's still on the Forbidden City. He's mm. their god. Mm-hmm. If they come here, they want to create a Maoist-style republic. You will not have any of the freedoms you have in this country. There is no TikTok in China, people. It's a Chinese company. It's not allowed in China. Any, anybody doesn't believe me, go look it up. They had Yuan, and it's a system that's completely different, and it only allows positive messages, and kids are only allowed to spend an hour a day on the Internet. So there's not going to be any freedom. You're not going to have any say in anything. And all the, all the little things that you do that are part of those freedoms that the Chinese government doesn't approve of, you won't be doing. And they're not going to argue, not going to debate, you're not going to file lawsuits, you're not going to go to court and, and, and go in front of some Chinese magistrate and argue any of this. They're just going to kill you. That's it. That's what they're going to do. Point blank. They're going to kill millions and millions of people. They have a hit list. They're going to kill the military personnel and then everybody else that I named, they all have to go. And anybody who works as a collaborator with them, once everything's established, they're getting murdered too. So no, you don't want China ruling the world. Now, there are millions of Chinese people that want freedom. I am not attacking China as a race. It's a beautiful country and probably one of the most beautiful cultures, if not the most beautiful culture in the world. And I love the martial arts and the food and the music and the beauty and the art and everything. But the communist government's plan is very, very, very simple. So people get your act together. They are coming here. They're going to come here. Our generals just put out a statement two days ago they believe we will be in a shooting war with China by 2025. Mm-hmm. A lot of people feel like we're already that. that we've already uh, started World War Three. It's gonna listen. It's gonna be before that. China's going to take Taiwan within the next year. They've already they, they keep surrounding that island with planes and boats yeah. and pushing the Taiwanese people. If they fire one bullet at the Chinese at a passing plane, boom! There you go. Yeah, it's oh, over. Defend ourselves. China. People forget what China did to Taiwan just 50 years ago, and the Kimmen Islands. They just sat back and shelled those islands into oblivion. They, they basically leveled half of Taiwan and all of Kinmen, and everybody's just forgotten about that. They can still do that now. You can see Taiwan across the bay. It's, it's well within range of just basic Chinese artillery. And that's, in fact, to this day, they both got guns pointed at each other. But China's got a lot more guns. China doesn't have to launch a bomber or a rocket or a missile they can just sit back and shell those islands and bury them. So don't be fooled, people. This is going to happen. Yeah. China wants Taiwan for its technology and because it's just too damn close to China. And they're going to do that in a bloody assault. And Joe Biden just two days ago literally said we would put boots on the ground in Taiwan. That is insane. Our policy has always been to never say what we would do. Five times now he said we would go to war over Taiwan. Well, this guy, this guy's a, he's a, he's a, he's a treasonous clown 
and he needs to be drugged through the streets four different ways. And 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 we definitely have to have somebody come forward to to to, to take over our government. And and I would never say that until he took a knee with the with the Golden State Warriors over yeah. the national yeah. anthem. Yeah, yeah, this is the president of the United States. No, of course not. This is the president of the United States that takes a knee. First off, this is a man. His, he's a coward. You're yeah. a coward, Joe Biden. Your whole family's a coward. You're a liar. You're a plagiarizer. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you are, you are, you are the Hitler of today. And that's who you are. Oh yeah, that that red speech, the red speech, his constant screaming, ranting, hissy fits. The, the, the these claims he's making about so-called MAGA Republicans wanting to destroy the world and so all self-projection. Yeah, excuse me. Um, I don't hear Republicans saying, "I wish we had more crime. I wish we had higher taxes. I wish we had fewer rights. I wish we had less free speech." You know, it, it's insane to me that I grew up. Remember, I'm sixty. I grew up during that time where the liberals were the ones fighting for freedom, and they didn't want the government telling us what to do, and they didn't want more wars. Now somehow the Republicans remember remember always oh, Trump's going to get us in a war. Trump's going to get us in a war. He's going to start. With, Trump's going to start World War Three. Guess what he did? Kim Jong Il, Kim Jong Un. He went over to uh, the Middle East. He went to Israel. He when Iran attacked that base of ours, he didn't kill anybody. He didn't bomb anybody. He kept a calm, level head. Whatever you think of him, he did not want to get us in a war. And he Putin, and Putin damn sure didn't invade Ukraine. And he wouldn't have. But during the Obama administration, he went to the Black Sea. They took Crimea. They took multiple regions in Ukraine because they weren't afraid of Barack Obama. Because even though Barack talked strong and said red line, when the time came, he didn't act on it. He didn't act on it. He, he did targeted assassinations of you know Islamic terrorists. But that was it. Yeah. If he had done anything at all, Putin would never have made those moves. But he did nothing to defend that area because he didn't really care about it. It, was not, it wasn't on his radar. When this happened, everybody go back to my Twitter and look. I said Putin was going to go in while everybody's saying, including CNN, oh, no, no, he would never dare do that. Oh, my God. That's, he wouldn't. It's all a show. And I had tweeted and said it costs millions of dollars a day to maintain 140,000 troops, tanks, rocket launchers, and all these things on a border in the freezing cold. You gotta feed these guys, you gotta fuel these devices and so on. And I told Paula and I tweeted and said, he's gonna go in. Oh no, he would never do that. And then he went in. I was and I like tweeted, see, I told you dummies. How do you not see this? I'm a I'm a stupid nobody convict and I knew this was gonna happen. Well that's why that's why I say it's intentional. That's why I say these aren't stupid people. So so that's not they know of course they knew the generals knew everybody knew he was gonna go in. Of course they let it happen. Well, this is again, this is why I say the timeline now, when we look at how Joe ripped the soldiers out of Afghanistan, how he how he supposedly stopped all contracts with private prisons because he knew then that he was going into Ukraine. He already knew what the game plan was, and he was trying to redirect all that cash flow back into his pocket to be sent to Ukraine. He don't want private prisons getting that money when he could be having it and sending it to Ukraine and he's. And him and Nancy and all of them are flying over there. You notice every time money went over there, we got people going over there chasing the money. You know, I want to, I want to tell everybody, too, that I, I wrote a very long, detailed letter to all the branches of the United States military explaining why they, they should consider recruiting prisoners. So one of the primary reasons I use is that prison, 
general prison life is almost exactly like being on a military base. I mean, literally, we use military time. We have a chow hall. We, we eat at specified times in the dining facility, and then it's closed. We have a medical call out, they, they, they call it like a med call, with, and we have roll call. We have count times. We have in-bunk times. We have uniforms. Everything is very, very much like prison. It's not as disciplined as the military. We, our misconduct system for getting in trouble, what's called tickets, is almost identical to the same written system used in the United States military for what are called articles or in the Navy captain's mask, for example. So more importantly, most inmates tend to be a little more physical than the average civilian. They tend to be more physically active than the average civilian. We're used to restricted life. We sleep on cots, on steel bunks. It's just very much like the military. Um, and we're used to every aspect of our life being restricted and being controlled. We have to follow direct orders from superiors. We have a chain of custody. But the other reason that I suggested this is because the military has been bitching for the last two years that nobody wants to join, nobody wants to join. Recruitment numbers are down. We can't get any recruits. So I said, you've got 2.7 million people locked up, probably half of whom could serve in the United States military and would happily do so for some kind of a pardon or a second chance. Contrary to prison movies, everybody in prison is not a gang member who rapes people in the shower every day. Most of them are normal civilians like those of you out there but they broke the law and they're in here. But they work jobs, they go to visits, they go to church, they, have, they go to the library, they read books, they watch movies, they have responsibilities, and generally they're not raping and killing each other. Well, they had, no, drug use, they had no issue out there in California taking them out of the jail and using them on the front lines of the fire. But to speak what you're saying, right. that's, you know that's what they're doing in Russia right now. Right. And not only yeah, are they... So guess what happened? Go ahead. Guess what happened, though? So all the branches wrote me back, and I have the letters. I'm considering posting them online if anybody wants to see them. All politely saying, you know, hey, thanks, and you're right, and these are great ideas. And, you, and one of them from the Air Force says, I made a, a, amazing, incredible points. But, and then they cite the statute that says that, you know, an incar, uh, a felon can't be in the military. Right. The whole premise of my letter was get rid of that rule, <laughs> and you've got a million freaking recruits for this coming world war that you keep talking about. And they're still complaining as of, you know, literally yesterday we can't get anybody to come into the service. Nobody wants to join. But I've gotten uh, four of the five branches have already written me back to tell me that uh, there's no interest in, in bringing these guys in to the military. Mm-hmm. So they're ready to be in the military. They've already been indoctrinated in the military lifestyle structure. And they would be grateful for a chance to serve, to have some freedom, some, some better food, better contact with human beings, and a chance to have a fresh start. So I said, let them serve. If they finish their term honorably, you know, clear their record and they get a clean slate and they can start over again. Not a single branch so far has expressed any interest in saying, you know, we should take this to Congress. We should create a program, start screening guys and bringing them in. They're not going so there to. You go, America. Kevin mm-hmm. Jenkins, who tried to fix this problem, and um, I, I think I am going to post this stuff. Actually, I'm going to post it all on my Facebook. I want you all to see what I wrote and what they said back. I'll, I'll share it. But they're doing that. They're doing that in Russia right now. And not only are they doing that, but the reports, the reports are coming out that the prisoners are fighting harder than the most elite trained soldiers coming out. Yeah. Like they're taking these prisoners and putting them on the front line and that these prisoners are doing more damage than their special elites. Absolutely. Yeah. Because they've lived a hard, hard life already. I, I live in a con- you don't have nothing to lose. What do you yeah. have to lose? You yeah, would rather I, I would rather die out on that battlefield than go back to that Absolutely. cell. Absolutely. Just the just the few freedoms that come with being outside of prison 
even being conscripted like that would, would make you fight your ass off to not go back to prison. And I would rather die free than die in a cell. So this just shows you again what's, what's really wrong. Don't forget, America, there are hundreds of thousands of highly trained military veterans in our prison system. That's right. There are not just Vietnam vets. There are now tens of thousands of Iraq and Afghanistan vets, including special forces guys, and, right and, here in our prison system who could go right back in the battlefield and serve and fight. And I could be the first one to say that there's not a prisoner that's in prison that would not fight for this land because at the end of the day, we have family yeah. out here too. We got children, yeah. we got fathers and mothers and uncles and brothers and sisters all out here trying Absolutely. to live in America too. Absolutely. They know that. Yeah. So they know so that. Everyone who's listening, you know, we all know what the problems are. We all know that they're not fixing them. What we have to do now is agree to get together and make them fix them. That's right. It's that simple. Unite. And you know what? Voting, you know, voting is great, but guess what? That's four years. We don't have four years every time there's a crisis in this country to hope that the media doesn't manipulate the process on either side of the fence to get whoever they want into office. Nope. We need to find ways to fix these problems now, take direct action, stop sitting on our asses and waiting for our enemies to come. Take direct action. I'm trying to spread no taxes 2023. Nobody's filing taxes in 2023. That'll wake these people up. I wish. I wish America would just stand up and say we're sick of it. Enough is enough. We're not filing taxes. You're not taking our money and sending it overseas no more. We're keeping our money right here. This this country, we would go into martial law instantly. I wish states would just say F you and start just producing oil again so we have cheap fuel. This is this whole thing is insanity. All of this is letting these people in Washington, D.C. tell us how to live our life. I'm telling you. Insanity. Amen. And we got, a, and we got the power to everything. We got the tools, we got the oil, we got the get we we got the tools to do everything, but we're telling these we're letting these people tell us what to do with our tools. We've had listen, we've had propane powered vehicles in this country for fifty years, and hardly anybody even knows they exist, and now they're trying to ban propane, which by the way burns incredibly clean. They had they had place you get your car converted to propane when I was in Washington State in nineteen eighty two. There are propane buses all over this country, and nobody even knows about them. And now they're trying to ban propane. So this is, this is the height of insanity. We have a thousand years of natural gas on this planet. We even know how to produce more natural gas now safely. And we have hundreds and hundreds of years of oil. And no matter what anybody says, plastics come from oil. And 90% of what we produce contains plastics. We're not getting rid of oil. So all we're doing is making everything, including plastics, way more expensive. We're not saving the planet. Because right. we're not going to stop Venezuela from producing oil. And we're not going to stop India and China from burning coal. We're not saving anything. Right. We need to fix these problems now. A world war is probably coming. And people, it's going to be worse than Mad Max. It's not going to be some happy movie. Roving bands of vigilantes will be going around raping and murdering and robbing once there's lawlessness that you all think you want. And all you people that think you want anarchy, you better be a highly trained martial artist with a large arsenal or you don't want anarchy. And even then, you better have numbers. Because right. if you have food squirreled away and somebody finds out about it or you got a weapons cache... Well, you got resources. They're coming for your stuff. They're coming for it. So, if we live in a crappy little house with glass windows and yeah. So all so yeah. So all you people on TikTok who's showing all your your storages in your backyard, your you know your what do they call their the doomsday? Yeah, doing your bunkers. Yeah, your yeah, doomsday bunkers, that. and you're showing everybody yeah. online you got bunkers with yeah, five you're years of food. You where your bunkers are dummies. Yeah, trust me, people are coming yeah, you, for that. Yeah. Okay, you just told you literally just told China where your bunkers at. 
So they do come here and put troops on the ground. They're going to have little digital maps. Oh, oh, this house has got an underground bunker. Let's go get it. Let's clear out everybody in it. Oh, we've got a list. Everybody's got a registered weapon in this country. Let's go find them. The people, you got no idea what's coming. And no idea. And you got these rednecks up in the mountains that have little, you know, an AR-15 with like five clips yeah. that are just sitting up there by themselves telling them to bring it. Yeah. Bring it. Come on. I dare you. <laughs> okay. When crack Chinese elite troops land with their automatic weapons and their freaking ninjas surrounding your little compound. <laughs> and they you. want to make it one of their thousand output stations. You're done, buddy. <laughs> Stop telling the world what you've got. Stop telling everybody where your stuff is at. Quit bragging and showing off. I'm telling America, you, man. You need to stand up and realize that there is something horrible coming. And the people that are in power, their mindset is, well, you know what? We have the real bunkers in Cheyenne Mountain. We can survive all of this. We can start over however we want to start over when it's all said and done. They've got years of food and supplies and weapons and medicine put away, and they've got long lists of who are going into those bunkers. People, you're not on those lists. So you need to see what's going on. You need to wake up. There's a Chinese spy balloon flying over this country right now, and our government's debating whether or not it's going to drop on a kindergarten school, so we're not going to shoot it down. Right. This is this is crazy. We're doing nothing to defend this country. There's things in our sky all the time. The Pentagon admits it. It's technology a million years behind us. We don't do a damn thing about it. And then we, we go, oh, well, yeah, it's there. It's crazy. You can do stuff. Our no border patrol. People just coming across our border just at will. And people. And if you think they all love us, look at the videos of what they've been doing to their hotel rooms and the facilities they're being kept in. All this crap about how they're just all innocent, good people who just want a better life is a crock of shit. Half of them are criminals, drug users, cartel members, gang members, or people on a freaking mission. Yeah, homeless. They're homeless people out of, uh, yeah, they're they're homeless people that had nowhere to live in Mexico and, and, and south of that that are coming up here expecting to get treatment. Yeah, if you see those hundreds of thousands of massively over obese people crossing our borders, they are not starving or suffering from food insecurity. This is insanity. They're all wearing brand new clothing and brand new $100 pairs of tennis shoes. Where are they getting all that stuff? They, I just watched a video they showed two days ago of thousands and thousands of migrants all wearing brand new expensive clothing. It's like they all stop at the Nike outlet store before they cross the border. This is insanity. This is, this is a setup. This is a, this is not this is not a bunch of innocent people looking. It's for not jobs. a movie. It's not a movie, and this is not uh, not no. a, a false fake life. This is really there's happening a, a in America. They're not getting a single thing. We're giving illegal migrants fifty five thousand dollars when they come over here. What the phones, housing? You're telling me that if I'm tomorrow I'm homeless, there's nowhere for me to go. If I come across the border illegally and identify as an illegal alien with an accent, I will instantly get housing, food, a cell phone a job, training, a driver's license. This this is this is crazy. Nope. It has to be to care for our people and our nation. And we are not doing that in any way, shape, or form. We're not making America better. We're not making the world better. We're not saving our people. We're not saving anybody. Well listen, Trump when before Trump, before they outed Trump, he brought back the firing squad, you know, public execution yep. and firing squad. I know he yep. did that for a reason. And and I'm sorry. I'm not a cruel person. I'm not. I'm not saying his speeches. I'm not a sadist, a, a sadist. But I want to see these officials shot and killed in public and hung to make a statement that you do not come into America and try to commit treason against us. Like, 
I, I'm really disappointed in my Americans, man. I really am. I, I seriously, truly am. I really am. Well, here's here's the thing. Whatever, I really am. Comes, whether it's Russia, China, or Russia, China, North Korea, and Iran uh, all together, America is going to devolve, and you're, there's definitely going to be treason trials. There's going to be whether it's people being shot for treason with China or people being shot that are public officials that betrayed America. I, there's no question that there's going to be horrible, horrible, horrible wholesale violence. And the minute our guard is down at that level, it we're open. We're like open prey for wolves. We're like we're like a like, like literally a steak sandwich to a wolf. America has a boundless resources. We have a weakened military. We have a weakened government. We have a disunited people. They're looking at us with slavering jaws, saying, "Hey, you know what? We could go over there and take all their stuff and remodel that country the way we want." And and I don't understand my liberal friends not realizing what's going to happen to them if those things happen. I, they think it's going to be some kind of a socialist utopia. It's not. Look at communist countries. It's not going to be socialist utopia. It's not going to be anything you think it's going to be. Well, they thought they thought take over. They thought Canada was 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 that utopia until now. Trudeau's up there telling them that you cannot buy guns anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you oppose the government anyway, we take your bank account, clean it out, and keep your money. Yep. You know. And now they're crying like little babies. I just saw the Canadian Parliament on the news crying because they, we want to have a resolution against Tucker Carlson because. He said Canada needs to be liberated from Trudeau. Yeah, you, uh, guess what? Uh, 20 million Canadians have said Canada needs to be liberated from Trudeau, too. They apparently don't have a voice. They don't matter. Yep. Trudeau, what he did to the truckers was abominable. Yep. If you had done that in America, yeah, Americans wouldn't have put up with it. Americans were disgusted when they saw it. But then to clean out those guys' bank accounts, to take the money they earned and worked for, you don't have that right what, whatsoever. And it was a step I felt was necessary to do what? How is destroying somebody's life going to make the problem go away? You just made more enemies, Justin. You just showed everybody why you don't belong in that position. That's not leadership. That's dictatorship. And now what we're seeing in America is dictatorship. People saying, you must do this my way or else. You must believe what I believe or else. You must say what I say or else. That's not freedom. That's not freedom. And, And that's because it's not about freedom anymore. So Thomas, free me, trying to destroy freedom. That's what they're trying to do, and that's—I mean—that's—that's that's the point of this whole podcast and, and and platform is to just try to bring awareness to what's going on. I mean, that's why I broke down the body cams because you had this kid that was brutally murdered by police in the middle of uh, our streets, right. and and tried to cover it up by the fact that he was some yeah. crazed out, drugged out, you know, a uh, uh, cop killing kid. You know what and I mean? One of them said, maybe I shouldn't be doing this, or maybe I should be doing this because I'm being filmed while I'm doing it. And it shows you the level of arrogance. Camaraderie. It shows you the level of camaraderie amongst this police culture that we can get away with yeah. it. We can do it. Oh, it's okay, yeah, guys. We fucked up, but I got your back. We'll, we'll wash this back, away. Baby. Internal affairs will make this go away. Don't worry. We can't have this stain on the department, so we'll just sweep it under the rug. The officer's got some disciplinary and counseling, and the other gentleman's going to prison for four years. All right, I got to get to my fake job, my fake prison job. Yeah. I love you, dude. I love you too, man, T, and, and another great conversation. I'm, I'm going to get up there. I, I, I want to get up there within the next couple of weeks, I'm planning. I got to get to Mississippi, and um, I got to get to Mississippi and get some records for somebody. I got an individual down here, T, that I haven't even really... Let me run this by you real quick and get your thought before you go. Yeah, I only got a couple seconds. I got to hit the road. Okay, well, I... 
we'll save this for the next time. But I'm getting ready, hopefully, to crack open a case on a 40-year-old guy here, too. Been incarcerated for 40 years, but... If we can help, let us know in some way, too. I will. I absolutely will. But you take care. I love you, brother. Stay safe. Okay. I love you, too, buddy. Listen, my best to you and everybody there. And is it uh, Yvette's the girl that's helping you? Yep, that's my co-founder here. Bless her heart. Send her my love, too. I will, man. She's a good girl. All right. All right, buddy. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks a lot, bro. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I hate letting my partner go, man. Because now he gets off the phone. He's being shackled right now. And they're sh shipping him from that room to another room.